Uh, Everything's great. Everything's fine. It's just fine. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Headphones, where are you? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Oh no, your name is Fuck Landlords. That's yeah. not good. <laughs> is that because something new happened or is that because you're even closer to being on your way out of rentership? Yes. Uh, no, it's, this morning I went to go do laundry, which is in a different building than mine, and discovered, although I think I knew this yesterday too, that after this last snow event we had, mm-hmm. all they did was basically clear a path through, but they didn't clear any of the parking spaces. None of the like oh, extra cool. ones that no one was in. You could at least clear those. Yeah. So there's no clear walking path to get across the parking lot except to walk through ice well now it's ice because it all froze yeah ice covered parking spaces and they also didn't clear out all the way to the dumpsters so you have to climb through icy snow to get to the dumpsters i'm just not 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 cool i also noticed in the laundry room that the trash can that's in there clearly has not been emptied since they bought this complex wonderful fuck them yeah. That, wow, that's all yeah. shitty, but thankfully not your problem yeah. for much I'm longer. Like, if any of those things happen, like the trash isn't emptied or uh, the snow isn't cleared, it's going to be my own problem and my own fault. So, yep. and that's fine. And you'll only have to worry about your own trash and not other exactly. people's trash. Oh. And then I ran into one of my neighbors who has been here longer than I did as I was coming out. And he's <laughs> like, look at this parking lot. And I was like, I know, dude, I'm moving. He's like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I'm not the only unhappy person. Yeah. I wonder if they're trying to like drive all of you people out so that they can then increase rent as new people I mean, come I in. I think that's their ultimate plan. I mean, they can increase rent yeah. anyway, but like it'll be easier, I suppose. They're going to, they're not hiking rent up on people who have already yeah. been living there. Yeah. I'm like, fine. If you want to <sighs> replace your very, very stable tenant population with other people so you can make a quick dollar, that's great. Yeah. Just great. Anyway. Yay, capitalism. Yay. <sighs> anyway, hi. <laughs> how, how are hi. you? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> Not much new to report. Lots of grading and work stuff. Been playing some video games. Uh, that's pretty yeah. much it. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. I hear you might have some friends over later. Oh, I might have some friends over later. Oh. Yeah, there's that. I'm supposed to have some friends over. I have no Me idea what either. time, but... That's a thing that'll be happening today. Have we today. heard from our fourth friend at all lately? No. <laughs> Not really. So maybe it's only one friend. Maybe. Over <laughs> Should we check? One Have you seen him friend. out and about? Should we make sure he hasn't like died in his apartment and been eaten by his dog? <laughs> I'm going to text him. On the way there, I'll probably stop and pick up some more moving boxes. Boom. Because I've ah. almost filled all the ones I had. Yeah. I've weeded more things. I'm like, I'm not taking this book. I'm not taking these DVDs. No way. I'm going to get rid of all of my old cell phones. All of them. Right? It's really nice to try to... It's 
sometimes nice to get rid of a bunch of old stuff that you've had sitting around. When yeah, you and there's stuff like this, the phones I mostly just kept around because I'm like, I don't know how to properly dispose of this. Yeah. But yeah, I always just give them to Jeff because he always has a means nice. at work of getting rid of technological waste. Yeah. But well, if it wasn't for that, I would yeah. have no idea. Well, now I have a means. I found one. I'm going to take care of it. It's going to be great. That yeah. is excellent. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about Stargate? Yeah. Speaking of lack of technology, this place that they go to has no technology, really. No, it does not. Well, no modern technology, anyway. It does not. Yeah. Yeah. But what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 17, 100 Ooh. Days. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? Oh, we can start. Or... <laughs> That answers that question. <laughs> I bet I'll start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you using the royal we now? <laughs> yes. We are Hathor now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to see you wearing that wig the next oh, time that you man. come over then. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to have to go shopping. God. Yep. Anyway, beloved... Let's <laughs> let's talk about this episode. Okay. We are sitting outside in the dark because it's nighttime. No one lives any nearer than town. No one will come any nearer than that in the night, in the dark. The team is there with a woman, Lara. Lara? Lara, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're stargazing. More or less. That's like the name of our show. Oh, it is. You're right. It <laughs> might be stargazing. It could be. Jack wants to know when this big show is going to start. And she's like, be patient. But then Daniel is also kind of impatient. He's like, we haven't seen anything you could call fire rain. How come you're sure it's going to happen? And she says it's very constant. It happens the same time each year. And Sam's like, the same night? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, I'm going to think about science here and how that's going to happen. And Jack's like, don't suck the fun out of this. And she apologizes. Then finally we see a shooting star, which Daniel calls a falling star. I've never called them falling stars. I've always called them shooting stars. Same. I wonder if it's a regional thing or a Canadian thing. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. Never let it fade away. Tilt calls them Talpakri, which apparently also means falling star. Lara asks Jack what he thought. Is that worth the effort? And Jack says, I'm a huge fan of fireworks. Yeah. And then a bunch more shooting stars occur. And one is apparently enormous, so much closer to them. And yeah. the team is all concerned while Lyra just kind of smiles. Yeah. When we saw this really big one, too, I noticed that they have two moons in the sky that were, like, huge and one was in front of oh. the other. And I thought that was weird and interesting. Huh. No idea if that would actually be a sustainable orbit. I suspect not. But Who I don't knows? know. That was cool looking in nice. any case. Yeah. They say that that was a pretty close and pretty big a thing. That was a hell of a thing. And that is why they're alarmed. Because it's too close and too big. <laughs> yes. And Sam says, that's what a near miss is, Lyra. If they, it had struck the ground instead of 
bouncing off in the atmosphere. And then she trails off. Jack asks, this is an annual event? And she says, yes. And it grows more spectacular every year, which oh, alarms good. them further. <laughs> and yes. she's finally like, what's, what's up? And instead of answering her, Sam says to Jack, she's going to make more observations. And Daniel's going to do geology tomorrow. Jack says he'll make a wish. Yep. And then there's more yeah. meteors. <laughs> it was weird how they just decided not to address her at all. I was like, what are you guys yeah. doing? Come on. Like talking around her and over her, even though she's sitting right there like, hey, what's going on? And they're just yeah. ignoring her. Rather Agreed. rude. Yeah. After the credits, we get a daytime view of the village and people just doing their normal village life stuff. They are then in Lara's house and Carter conveniently has her laptop there and is able to science despite the total lack of any kind of infrastructure here. Of course. Yeah, (laughs) of course. She's trying to explain to Lara how, basically how astronomy works and that the fact that their planet is orbiting the sun. And so for this fire rain to be happening on a regular basis, then they must be passing through some sort of an asteroid belt on a regular basis. Carter thinks that the asteroid belt must not be uniform. It has to have like some kind of denser region than others. And so that's why sometimes it always sits at the same time, but sometimes it is more spectacular than others, I guess you could say. (laughs) Carter asks Lara if she's ever known the fire rain to strike the ground. And not in recent memory, but it has been known to happen in the past. Many, many years ago. Lara doesn't really know exactly how long ago. Jack comes in and asks if anybody is going on Daniel's little geology field trip, and apparently Lara is sending her son out with him. And his son's got a secret girlfriend, so she's going to go too. Oh, that's not the end of the scene. (laughs) (laughs) So they leave. (laughs) That's not the end of the scene, as I had thought. (laughs) Sam decides that she's going to go back to Earth, where she will have internet (laughs) and can input her data into a larger database and kind of come up with more specifics on what to expect and what is happening. That leaves Lara and Jack behind to discuss the treaty that is going to be happening between their two worlds. Yeah, they're discussing yeah. a treaty. Discussing a treaty, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daniel's in the cave with Garen and his girl. We don't have her name, so I don't know what to call her. The girl. Yeah, I don't know that we ever get yeah. a name for her. Daniel is explaining somewhat of what he is finding, which is geology science that I don't know too much about, but he basically is showing them the striations in the rock and explaining the past. Yeah. He's talking about like the differential decay, which I don't think really talking about the decay rate makes any sense in this context (laughs) because that's not like what is happening with the geological layers that he's pointing out. But anyway, I don't know a whole lot about geology or astronomy. But that was, yeah. Two different things, decay rate and then the the rock striations. Yeah. And he's explaining that there's, you know, different layers are showing different things. And then these, there's like a dark, thick layer that appears every so often. And he says, that's the Nakwita dust thrown up by impact events. And the kid and Garen says, cool. And then yeah. <laughs> Daniel is basically like, 
what the fuck? It's not that cool, dude. And I thought that was just, I get that this is a, like a serious situation, but like, don't yeah. fucking like dampen people's interest in science. Come on, man. What right? are you doing? Seriously. Never, never discourage someone's yeah. enthusiasm over science ever. Yeah. <laughs> we need more yeah. of that. So Daniel explains, not so cool because this has happened on his world millions of years ago and nearly wiped out all of war- of life on Earth. He says they know that it has happened here in the past in varying degrees every 150 years or so. Tilk, who is also there, <laughs> suppose, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Tilk's like, it was. it's been exactly 150 years since the last time, because they know that. Yeah, convenient timing. And there's no way to stop what's coming. Dun, dun, dun. Ominous. Back on Earth, Sam is trying to science on the computer. According to the observations that she made after that near miss, the planet is due for hundreds of car-sized asteroids to strike. (laughs) Yikes. This would completely decimate the planet. (laughs) Yes. I will go into that a little bit later, but (laughs) this was where I first started getting my inkling of like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. I might need to go and do some research. (laughs) So So Hammond says that they can't evacuate the entire planet, but Sam says, well, there's really not a whole lot of people on the planet because it's just this one village. So that's convenient. And so it might be possible to evacuate the entire planet onto onto Earth and then send them back a few days (laughs) later. (laughs) To, to the devastated wasteland that would have remained. <laughs> and They're hardy mean. people. They can survive. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not this level of destruction. Do you want me to go on to my tangent Oh, go now? for it. I mean, it's up to, to you. Whenever okay. you want to throw it in. All right. Well, what really sent me into the tangent is, spoiler alert, not only is there one strike, but there are, like, constant strikes happening later on when we do get this meteor shower. So, first of all, according to NASA, because I was curious about the term, an asteroid is a relatively small, inactive rocky body orbiting the sun, compared to a comet that is a relatively small, at times active object whose ice vaporizes in the sunlight, forming a dust trail, or coma. A meteoroid is a small particle from a comet or asteroid orbiting the sun. A meteor is the light phenomena which results when a meteoroid enters the Earth's atmosphere and vaporizes, turning into a shooting star. And a meteorite is a meteoroid that survives its passage through Earth's atmosphere and lands upon the Earth's surface. If anyone cares, (laughs) I cared, because all of these are frequently used interchangeably. And I didn't really know what the difference was between all of them anyway. Nice. So, thanks to NASA. And then, randomly, I found an infographic kind of thing on Business Insider. I don't know what this has to do with anything that would be of interest to Business Insider, but it was actually really good. (laughs) Talking about, like, the impact that strikes would have. And so, it talks about things like anything larger they actually specifically talk about the size of a car most meteors it says are smaller than a car and would burn up in the atmosphere as harmless meteors but anything larger than that can detonate over the atmosphere which is what we had with the Chelyabinsk meteor that exploded over Russia a few years back and like shattered windows and did a whole bunch of bad stuff Uh, apparently you could actually get a severe sunburn from the light emitted by a an wow meteor falling 
and a house-sized meteorite exploding in the atmosphere would cause a force greater than the nuclear weapon that the U.S. dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. Great. And that would flatten most buildings within one and a half miles, and then it just gets even worse and worse as we go up in size from there. So long story (laughs) short, a lot of these things would just vaporize in the atmosphere, but if we had like these constant strikes like we're going to see shortly, there would be nothing left. (laughs) If we had these constant meteorite strikes happening and leaving the huge impact craters that we are going to see later on, like (laughs) they should at the very least be in a like semi-permanent winter after this, which would then send them, you know, into a long ice age and yay. Yeah. yeah. Good times. So that's my tangent. Thanks to NASA and business. I appreciate it. Yeah, and something the size of Mount Everest would vaporize everything around for miles. Yeah, <laughs> so. I would think so. <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. According to this, the resulting crater would stretch more than 100 miles wide if it's something were that big. But I am guessing that there are no. Ast- <laughs> there can't be any Mount Everest-sized meteorites hitting because that would completely destroy all life on the planet if that did in fact happen. All I've got is a shooting star is not a star is not a star at all. A shooting star is a meteor that's heading for a fall. A shooting star is not a star. Why does it shine so bright? Ooh, a London-sized, a London-sized <laughs> asteroid would actually impact the Earth's rotation enough to make its days last almost a half oh second longer. Oh my god! Mm. This article is really yeah. interesting. I highly recommend this. I'm gonna put Business a link on Twitter. Insider. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When Sam is talking about car-sized asteroids, does she mean they're going to be car-sized by the time they hit the planet? Like, they don't really seem to be accounting for the fact that a lot of this would burn up in the atmosphere. I don't know. She never specifies. She doesn't. But we see a lot of impacts later. So we head to the idyllic countryside of Adora. Jack and Lara are (laughs) taking a little walk, and they run into a dude who's doing some fishing. She introduces Jack to him. He's hanging and Hayden is not impressed with Jack at all. He's like, oh, they say you came through the stone ring. Hard thing to believe. Is it hard to believe because it's made of stone? Maybe. And Hayden also elaborates that they have exactly what they need. So he's not really interested and doesn't think there's a reason to do trade with Earth. But they let it drop, and Jack and Lara move on, continue their little walk. And Lara then says what kind of things you could want from us. And Jack tells them they've got a lot of Nakoda in their soil, and we would really like their Nakoda. That would make these explosions from the meteorites landing so much worse, though. (laughs) That, like, there's really no way anything would survive this. And what, what pray tell would they get in return for giving over all their Nakoda, Lara wonders. And Jack's like, oh, you know, things. Medicine, technology, education. We'd be friends. And Lara's like, we're already friends. And Jack's like, closer friends? And Lara's like, ha ha ha, my mom taught me to be wary of men wishing to be closer friends. Such a flirt. Yeah, yeah, they're flirting here. Yep. They're doing their little flirts, but then suddenly we see a meteor, and that's unusual because they do not normally appear during the daylight. 
So, Jack gets on the radio to talk to the team. And Sam's like, I saw it. I think this is just the beginning. Ah! Oh, no! Also, the background behind Sam looked super fake. <laughs> oh, did it? I didn't even notice. <laughs> what was, it was behind the Stargate, her? but it just, I don't think she was literally outside because they just had, like, they showed her face in her, like, her upper uh-huh. body and then the background. So I don't think she was actually outside anywhere. Like, I think it was a yeah, screen. Somehow yeah. I missed this. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Hmm. <laughs> In the caves, Daniel's doing some archaeology now. He's moved on from his geology, and he's digging up some cooking utensils and figures that at some point, people must have spent a significant amount of time in this cave, most likely surviving the horrible onslaught that was happening that would have destroyed everything, but then somehow magically didn't. And then it also made me wonder how horribly inbred are these people that... (laughs) Daniel and Tilker are talking about how there's just a small number of Adorans that could have survived in this cave. This cave isn't that big. And granted, their village isn't that big either, but yeah, these are things yeah, I was wondering. that's a good question. Also, couldn't somebody yeah. have just gone camping and left shit there? That's also possible, yes. <laughs> Quite possible. Jack radios to them and tells them to get back to the village. So that's what they're going to do. It is. They head back to the village, and Jack has gathered all the villagers. I mean, I don't think it's that hard. I don't think they have a very large village. Yeah. But he's like, the fire rain's going to start killing us all, so we're going to take you back to Earth with us. I'm not convinced that they really fit in with the 5500 rule. The what? It's a thing in ecology that basically says that the minimum that you would need to have for a sustainable population to combat inbreeding would be about 50. And... To really significantly reduce the impact of like things like genetic drift and and other things that you wouldn't necessarily want happening in a genetically stable population, you would need to have like at least five hundred. There surely are not five hundred people on the planet, and there's for sure not five hundred. And I'm not convinced that there's even fifty. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Hayden is not convinced by Jack still, but Sam's like, but. The explosion's going to wipe out your entire village if one lands near here. And Hayden's like, we've seen the fire rain come and go. It's fine. You guys just want to steal our land. And if you go with them, you're never going to see your land again. Which sounds paranoid from the perspective of SG-1, but they don't know these people very well. They might just be trying to steal their land for all he knows. Yeah. It's not an unreasonable or irrational fear. Jack has no patience for this, though. And he's like, you want to stay, you stay. Lara vouches for SG-1. She encourages everyone to go along to Earth, and then we can come back. And if you don't want to go, cool, too. You know, hopefully you don't die. Daniel says, we've got lots of food and water, so you don't need a lot. And then a meteor actually strikes a mountain in the background earth shakes the earth not our earth the earth shakes (laughs) and jack's like let's go they're taking time to pack which seems like a bad idea to me they're back in lara's house packing (laughs) then outside again lara is suddenly looking for garen because he was in the hut with her packing but now he's missing so that sucks (laughs) daniel says that he thinks that it's most likely that the kid would have gone to the caves. 
because they figured out that people had survived there previously. So maybe if you got scared, that's where he went. Jack's going to go take a look for them in the caves. Cool. And Lara's going to go with him. Of course. Yep. On Earth, the Stargate has opened and it's SG-1 coming through. Walter tells Hammond. Hi, Walter. Who? Walter. Who? Walter. Walter. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> and Hammond tells Dr. Fraser, who is also there, to be ready for refugees. End of scene. Back on Edora, Jack and Lara are running towards the caves. That's that scene. <laughs> Would you like the next one? <laughs> oh, fine. I can go on. It's fine. Back where the Stargate is, the meteorites continue just crashing down all around them. It is quite the coincidence and the unfortunate coincidence at that, that there's only one village on this entire planet, and it just happens to be where all these meteorites impacts are yeah. happening. But also, like I said, it sounds like there are so many and sizable that... Like, it wouldn't really matter where they struck eventually. The whole planet would be decimated anyway. But apparently that's not what happens. Even despite the extra naquita in the soil. So Daniel and Sam are there shuttling people through the Stargate, telling them not to be worried. And they're trying to check in on Jack and see what's happening over there. Tilk is also helping out at the gate. And apparently about a third of the village has decided to stay behind. So that's not a good idea. So most of the people are through. Daniel goes through. Tilk and Sam stay behind. They were trying to radio back and forth with Jack, who is still looking for Garen. And, oh, the kid's name is Natha. The the girl's name is Natha, apparently. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So they find them. They are in the cave. And they're radioing back and forth about the need for Jack and everybody to hurry if they're going to make it back to the gate. And then a huge meteor, (laughs) meteorite, meteor at this point, it hasn't landed yet, heads for Sam and Tilk. It is ginormous, (laughs) like way bigger than a bus. And it's heading straight for them. So they leap through the gate. (laughs) And that's it. That's the last we get of Eudora in that scene. Back on Earth, the Stargate wormhole there we go the wormhole (laughs) starts to uh look a little unstable we're losing wormhole stability walter confirms it's uh flickering a little bit fortunately right before they lose the wormhole altogether sam and teal somersault through (laughs) land on the ramp that's gotta be so yeah That grating on the ramp just looks painful yeah. to lay on and even more painful to fall on. Sam reports that they waited until the last possible moment. O'Neill went off to find villagers. And Teal'c is amped to get right back out there to find O'Neill. And Sam's like, you can't. That last hit was right on top of the gate and you'd be walking into a firestorm, which does not sound like a good idea. No. Although Teal'c is like, I'm willing to take that risk. <laughs> but Hammond wisely is like, nah, nah, nah. Sam's suggestion is to wait 24 hours and then try a malp first before hurling Teal'c through. Probably a good idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go anyway. Yeah, firestorm. <laughs> I'll take on those meteors. Still can take on anybody and anything. It's true. It's yeah. true. Back in the caves, Jack and Lara and the kids are there talking about basically being worried. <laughs> Jack has realized that he's out of radio contact now with everybody else, so he's not seeming too optimistic at this point and admits that, just like the others, he is also afraid. And we continue to hear crashes as more <laughs> meteorites fall and explode above them outside of the cave. Yeah. Back in the control room, it's apparently been at least 24 hours. They're dialing back out. They establish a wormhole. They send the mouth through. And nothing <laughs> the mouth never makes it to the other side so that sucks good sign that they're able to establish the wormhole but not such a good sign that the mouth doesn't ever actually arrive yeah so that's a fairly safe bet that it was destroyed as soon as it reached the other side even though they don't really know exactly why yet hammond says to shut down the wormhole and then it seems really angry when he's talking to sam i don't he really does. know why but I he agree. said that yeah, he says until that she can provide him with some answers to this problem, their rescue mission is scrubbed. But it made no sense why he would be mad at her. Yeah, it seemed very directed at her. It, well, yeah, it did. Yeah. It was strange. And then he tells Fraser to inform the visitors that they're going to be there a while. Hey. Meanwhile, Jack, Lara, and the kids have made their way back to the village, which some of it is destroyed. It should have Some been completely burned, really. But hey. <laughs> and burned. Yeah, but no. But it's not. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Lara's house survived. <laughs> and she goes in Convenient. and finds a few other villagers hanging out in her house, including Jack's be- biggest fan, Hayden. <laughs> he reports that some other families were not so lucky and were in one of the houses that did get decimated by the fire. How few Storm. people have got to be left at this point? Because they lost two-thirds of them through the gate, and now they're saying that three families were in this house yeah. that was struck. I don't know. Is this it? Is this, is like, what's in her house? Is that what's left? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. We never really see much more beyond Hanan and, like, well, then there's a scene later where there's, like, at least, like, 20 people, probably. True. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's not a lot. No, they don't have a lot. People died. Yeah. They're still here, though, because Hanan said they tried to flee to the stone ring where it used to be. Uh-oh. And Jack's like, uh-oh, used to be? And he hustles the hell out of there right over to an enormous crater where the Stargate <laughs> it's so used huge. to be. Like, shockwaves alone from this would have destroyed the village. <laughs> Yeah. Even if they didn't end up going into an ice age after this event. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm also somewhat confused. I at this point I was confused. I get more confused again later than less than more. But I was like, yeah. how did they there was no I don't see any way that Stargate survives. Right, cuz it's supposed to be like we were just talking about before, like Naquita is supposed to amplify explosions, so it should have been destroyed when it was yeah. impacted by a giant flaming meteorite. It should have blown up. Yeah. But they were able to connect the Stargate in the last scene, so I knew that it hadn't been destroyed but yeah. really really guys okay yeah anyway Lara's uh like oh crap I'm never gonna see my people again they can't come home and Jack agrees and Jack also cannot go home which is very sad yes yeah sadness all around yes in Lara's house later that night everyone is gathered and 
giving thanks for their ability to survive and the fact that they still have food that's somehow not poisoned or radiated or whatever. Really nice looking loaves of bread. I really want bread after watching them with their bread. Yeah, bread is delicious. Apparently bread is all they have left. I think they actually even say bread is great. (laughs) Jack comes in and Hanan starts immediately going after Jack for being to, you know, for basically putting the blame on him for the fact that they've only got a handful of people left. And Jack's like, well, if they hadn't gone through the gate, they might also be dead like the three families in that house that were killed. So Lara speaks up. She says that Jack is welcome there, but she does not want this arguing to continue to happen. Jack's not seeming too hungry, but she insists that he have a seat and join them for some dinner. So he does. Yay, dinner. I like dinner. It's dinner time! Apparently I'm food focused right now. Why not be food focused? It's Sunday. Uh, Sundays are for being food focused. They are. What did I have to eat today? I had waffles and now I'm drinking a no duels. Nom 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 nom. I had a burrito. A Mm. breakfast burrito. And a banana. Breakfast burritos are great. Bananas are also tasty. Yeah. At the SGC, the team is trying again there to contact the other side but they're not getting any signal. Tilk wants to know if the Stargate were buried. How then would a wormhole be established? Good point Tilk. And Sam says that when the meteor hit, the wormhole was active and it's possible that the molten aqueduct what? Hardened just above the event horizon creating an iris, a natural iris on that side. Of course, instead of exploding like it should have. Why didn't the Stargate become molten Naquita? Yeah, why wouldn't the gate itself have melted? I don't know. Maybe because the bits that are in the soil are so much smaller. Maybe? I, I don't, don't know. know. I would think that the... Out- I, yeah. And maybe there's some sort of refining that they do when they're creating a Stargate. Maybe. That the Naquita is not the same. It doesn't behave the same. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I had questions. Yes. I also had those same questions. Yeah. Hammond orders the gate shut down and says that he is calling it and declaring Jack MIA. He had already declared it before. It's official this time. (laughs) Of course. But the team is not ready to give up and they start pleading. How about we talk to the Tok'ra? Let's check with the Tolan. Maybe we can uh, figure out how to get a ship over there. Why wouldn't they have thought of that sooner? Like, why would Hammond automatically jump to scrubbing the mission before talking to any of their friends that have ships? Yeah, I don't know. Hammond, Hammond's like, okay, sure, let's try that. But he seems real sad. Mm-hmm. So I think he uh, thinks they're grasping at straws and they're not going to catch on. Maybe he realizes how severe this kind of impact is and just figures that <laughs> they might by rights, Jack has got to be dead. Yeah. Even magically, he's not dead. That could be true. Yeah. yeah. Back on Edora, Jack is lying on Lara's floor, sleeping. She walks by and washes her face because... Apparently, the face washing station is right next to where Jack is sleeping yeah. on the floor. Also, she shaves her legs. I noticed that, too, because we get a close-up of her feet and her legs. I'm yeah. like, there's no way that her, hair, her legs would be that hairless in this kind of society. No. <laughs> that is a, a TV thing. So. Yes. Yeah. 
So they have a little chat. Jack isn't giving up hope. He's pretty sure that the gate is just buried and that he can dig it up. And Lara's like, well, you got to do some work for us because we have like no people to do any of the farming or any of the work. So here's a clean work shirt that my husband never wore because he died before I gave it to him. So that was an uplifting scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was for that scene. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny, but it's really Ah, anyway. <laughs> good times, good times. Yeah. In the SGC, Sam has come up with a new plan to get through the Stargate. She says that she's taking her inspiration from Sokar, that time he was trying to, like, melt the iris with his particle beam. And so she thinks that they should build a particle beam because they don't have one and shoot it through the Stargate and melt the Nakwita barrier because that's a thing. Yep. So I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> what, well, I guess. No, never mind. I guess I don't have a question because I was going to say what happens if the Nakwita like melts and then falls back through the gate. But then it would have been vaporized because we'd be going through the wrong way through the oh, event yeah. horizon. So never mind. My question I've already answered myself. Well, then they've just got a pocket there yeah. that they can then shove a person through <laughs> to dig upward from there to get out. Yeah. And Hammond's like, I think Teal's going to volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> and you really better get going. You are no. volunteering on his behalf. <laughs> no. But, you know, try and stop Teal'c. Yeah. <laughs> if I mean, anyone sure else had... would have volunteered, yeah. but it seems strange to me, too. <laughs> Teal'c was ready to run back through right into the uh, explosion, so... That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so she's going to work on building a particle beam, which probably is a real easy thing to build. Surely I'm so. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. yeah. Particle beam, particle beam. <laughs> I have nothing to follow up on that. Back on the other planet, Jack is trying to dig around in the enormous crater to try to figure out where the Stargate has gone. And Garen comes up this time and asks Jack if he wants any food. He's brought Jack some food. Jack's got to be hungry because he worked in the fields all day. And now he's here trying to dig out the Stargate. And there's only a couple hours of light left, Jack says. So he's not really too concerned about food. Garen blames himself for what happened and says that, you know, if it hadn't been for him going back to the cave, then Jack would have been able to go home and it's all his fault. But Jack's not having any of that. Basically, he's like, what happened, happened. It's not your fault. And he goes back to digging. Yay. <laughs> yeah. In Sam's lab, she's working, working, working on this generator. Dr. Fraser comes in, brings her some coffee, which is very kind of her. Mm-hmm. Bringing people coffee, always a good idea. I agree. Yeah. Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. Coffee. Black. And she's like, I know you're going to solve this, but maybe it's going to take some time and, you know, maybe get some sleep once in a while. And Sam's like, yeah, but it could take months if I, you know, take a break. We learned then from her, Dr. Fraser that they have been in touch with the Tolan, and they w- might have a ship in the vicinity of Adora sometime next year. And Sam's like, he shouldn't have to wait that long. And Dr. Frazier is like, you miss him. And yeah, she does. <laughs> but is it a problem? And Sam's like, no, it's not. And she, but yeah, it is. Obviously, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On my own, pretending. 
kid leaves. <laughs> yeah, it's a Not problem. without giving her a last look as she yeah. leaves, though. Like, she walks away and then stares back at Sam from a distance. Yeah. yeah. Sam needs Jack. Back on the other planet, Jack is skipping stones across the pond, and Lara comes up to talk to him and says that a lot of them are afraid that the fire rain's going to come back, and Jack's like, well, no, because if Daniel's right, and he always is, it's going to be at least 150 years. So what happens to their descendants then? Hopefully they'll screw them, I guess, so far in the future. They'll just go hang out in the caves then. Yeah. Obviously the caves are a magic place where you can't get hit by fire rain. Let's not ever worry about the fate of future generations. All that really matters is what we're doing right now. Screw those future people and whatever hellscape of a planet we're leaving behind. Gosh, I I feel like you might be, uh, you know, talking Hmm? about two different things at once. I don't know what you could be talking about. Yeah, (laughs) I must have been wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lara asks Jack to come with her, and he's like, "Uh, no. (laughs) She's trying to be nice and patient and says that she wants his company, and Jack's like, well, I don't even like my company. She tells Jack that she mourned her husband for 100 days, and things were terrible, and then eventually things got better, and things will get better for him as well. So she wants him to walk with her, so he does. Yeah, and then the camera pans back towards the river where we see a canoe Someone in a canoe, not just a canoe, because, you know, you don't want errant canoes on the river, because mm. you never know what they'll get up to. Right? Yeah. yeah. Those canoes can yeah. be troublemaking. And we get a, yeah, we get a three months later title on the screen. So some time has passed, and we see it's Jack in the canoe. So he's canoeing when Lara comes over to him, and she's got his water, which he forgot. He's also no longer wearing his earth clothes. Mm. He's He's gone native. Yeah. Good point. When he was yeah. skipping stones before, he was still wearing his earth clothes, even though yeah. she'd given him a shirt. Yeah. So she hands him water. He gets out of the boat. They start walking. They're kind of holding hands, walking real close to each other. Hanan has invited them for evening supper, even though he doesn't like Jack. But... Jack's been very useful around here, so he's appreciative of that. Apparently, Jack made some nails and then hammered them, which is a lot of work, I would yeah, think. I would think. Yeah. yeah. Without any, like, power tools or anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know, whatever, manufacturing plants to make nails. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Anyway... They walk along, and Lara says, there's something you can do for me. And he's like, what? And she's like, oh, no, it's too soon. (laughs) He's like, what? What are you talking about? He has no patience for her being coy, (laughs) which I appreciate. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, you'll know when the time comes. And he's like, no, no, how about a hint? So she kisses him. And is like, does that help? And he says yes. And then they kiss again. Aw. Back on Earth. Sam has apparently finished making her particle beam thingy. So they're calling out and using the beam and trying to break through the makeshift iris that nature formed. Somehow. (laughs) Back on Edora, it is now nighttime and apparently we're in Hanan's house and they're having not just dinner, but a party. And this is the most people that we see and they're mostly children. So this is weird. There's fiddle music playing and people are dancing and Hanan has some sort of moonshine stuff that 
he's pouring for Jack. There's some game happening on the dance floor where Garen is blindfolded and there's a bunch of kids spinning him around. He makes his way over to Natha and then Jack is like, what is going on? Because everyone seems super happy about that. And Dolores says the ancestors guided him to the one that they wish him betrothed to. Jack's like, he was totally peeking. <laughs> then they, ja- they drag Jack up onto the floor and some random guy in the background just yells the children (laughs) it's very strange that's weird (laughs) yeah so they blindfold him spin him around and then don't give him the chance to stumble his way they just shove him right towards lara (laughs) (laughs) and so he hugs her and kisses her on the cheek aww in the gate room they seem to have completed their particle beaming because they are sending a malp through again it's got to be really expensive to keep right? sending these mouths. Seriously. But <laughs> but here we are, sending another one. Pualter reports they are receiving telemetry, but then they lose it almost immediately. And Sam asks them to play back the visual. And they show a brief like image of sort of concentric circle looking yeah. background. And Sam's like, look, look. So they figure out that the gate is horizontal, the mulp goes up through, and then just drops back down into the event horizon, which is why they only got, like, a moment of telemetry. So what they're going to need to do is Tilk needs to go through the gate, attach himself to the wall or whatever of the pocket before he gets sucked back down into the event horizon and dies. (laughs) And he's got to carry everything he needs. Tilk understands. And Hammond's like, I hope you do, son. (laughs) Because, you know, one-way trip otherwise. Yeah, Tilk's not an idiot. I thought that was weird. Yeah. I don't know why Hammond felt the need to say that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Back in Lara's house, apparently it is just Jack and Lara. Garen is who knows where. Jack wants to go to bed because he's very drunk and is told that he's going to have a massive headache tomorrow from all the moonshine. And Lara's like, hey, you remember that uh, that thing I told you I want? Well, it's a baby, and uh, let's do that now. <laughs> and Chuck's like, ah, I see. <laughs> Lara's like, I, I, you know, I thought I'd wait a little while until you seemed to be settled here, and um, I think that you seem settled here now. There's something in your eyes. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, is it drunken haze? Because... <laughs> Because he's very drunk. (laughs) But no, she is convinced that it is satisfaction with spending the rest of his life on this planet. Lara seems sober. Jack's very drunk. But, you know, they're going to get it on anyway. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. In the gate room, Tilk is uh, getting ready to go through. They give him some kind of, like, grappling hook thing to shoot. And he's wearing safety glasses, so he shoots the thing through the wormhole. That's the end of that scene. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Back on the planet, Jack is out chopping some wood with Hanan. They're talking about Lara and what a fine woman she is. Jack's not chopping wood very effectively. Neither is Hanan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're they're not very good at it right now. They're also both very hungover. (laughs) Yeah. So they're, that's that's the entire scene. It is. <laughs> they're yep. poorly chopping wood and talking about Jack's girl. Yes. Woman. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Lara. Yes. 
back to Teal'c, he has secured himself and tells the people on Earth that he has secured himself. (laughs) And that's that scene. (laughs) Back out with Jack. He has found Lara. Or Lara has found him, actually, because he's actually there sharpening his axe on a grinder. She has got all of his stuff gathered together. All of his SG-1 gear. And she's like, I, it's time to throw this stuff out. Jeez. <laughs> He's like, wait, is it? <laughs> but then he agrees. And so she goes and takes it away. I I find it hard to believe that Jack would give up this readily, knowing that they have friends on other planets that would be able yeah. to send a ship for him. And knowing yeah. how determined SG-1 and everybody would be to save him. I really find it hard to believe that after just a couple months he'd give up. But apparently he has. I guess. I mean, yeah. I, there's not much he can do. So well, I know there's nothing he can do, but I would <laughs> think that he would have enough faith in SG-1 and Hammond and his friends to know that they would be working on something for him, even though there's nothing he can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Tilk is dangling in the cave and still trying to, like, dig his way up. The gate has been left open, so I guess they can hear what's going on. Yeah. But it looks like it's going to close soon. Yeah, they're reaching their yeah. their time limit. Yeah, and after the gate closes, Tilk is going to have four hours of oxygen. So he better uh, bust his ass to get up to the surface as soon as possible. And they can't reopen the gate because they'll kill him. And they wish him good luck. Yep. 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 Out by the pond, because I guess that's where you go to throw things away. (laughs) Lara randomly figures out how to turn Jack's radio on before she tosses it. And here's Carter's voice counting down. That's that scene. (laughs) We get another very short scene of Tilk continuing to dig. And then it's dinner time. Dinner time. Back at Lara's house. Jack is, for whatever reason, trying to explain curling, the sport, to everybody. And he notices that Lara seems distracted. She tells him that, I think I heard a sound come from your radio. Uh. What do you mean you think you heard a sound? You heard an obvious voice. And then she says, perhaps it's a voice. You clearly heard a voice. Yeah. So Jack's all excited. He takes the radio from her and runs out of the house. Yeah. He heads to... The crater, the gate crater, the grater. <laughs> Got his radio on. He's like, this is Colonel and you'll come in. And then Tilk says his name and Jack's like, where the hell are you? <laughs> Tilk is almost out of oxygen as he attempts to reach the surface. And I guess the radio picks up whatever an RDF signal is. So he knows where Tilk is. I don't know. Yeah. Radio frequency. What is that? Let's see. R- Resource description framework. I don't think that that's what it says. <laughs> what if you type RDF signal? Uh, it's a worldwide web consortium standard. <laughs> I don't think that that's at all relevant. I'm sure it's something else. <laughs> um, anyway. Jack has honed in on where Tilk is. Ooh, radio direction finding. Ah, okay. <laughs> anyway, Jack found Tilk's place. So they, they, as in Jack and O'Neill, start digging down. Jack and O'Neill? (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be like you. (laughs) Jack and Garen start digging down while Teal's trying to dig up. Lara has followed them. 
Jack and Lara <laughs> look at each other for a moment. And then he digs a little more and he breaks through and he can see Tilk through a tiny hole. Yay. And he calls Tilk one stubborn son of a bitch and he looks so happy. <laughs> he does. And then he has a, a droplet of sweat that accumulates on his nose and then drips down onto Tilk's face. <laughs> and it was gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a little while later, all of the Edorans that had been on Earth are returning. There are happy reunions all around for everyone except Lara. Like, I understand that Lara is sad because Jack's going to be leaving, but two-thirds of their village were on Earth. Is she not happy to see any of these people again? She had her son. That's all she needed. Uh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't she, like, the leader? Like, I think so. I, I mean, thought she should be happier. Yeah, yeah right. you're right. <laughs> they never really talk about there being any other leader, and it seems to be that she's the one that Jack was talking about dealing with for the treaty yeah. they were going to have. So, yeah, I think she's got to be a leader type. But, but okay, none of that matters. No, nope, doesn't Jack. matter. Lara tells Jack that she's sure he's happy to be going home, and he says he's not, which made me wonder why he's not going to stay. But he's not going to stay, and she's not going to go with him, even though he invites her to. And he promises he's going to come back soon to visit. And so they leave, and we end up with a parting shot of Lara standing there watching them with her hands on her lower abdomen. Oh, what are we saying there? <laughs> yeah, so clearly she is, in fact, pregnant. And that's the end of the scene. Didn't tell Jack. And the end of the episode. And nope, doesn't seem nope. she told Jack. And I don't think she ever does. And maybe he never goes back because I don't remember him having another child. Nope. <laughs> nope. I, I think, think he would... makes mention of retiring there on occasion. Yeah. But he also made mention of retiring on that other, you know, the pizza cake planet. The, yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that episode. Yeah. Also, I got questions before we asked yeah. that. I've got other questions. Yeah. Did they fully unbury the gate? Did they stand it upright or did everyone have to somehow be tossed upward through and then caught on the other side? And finally, how did they fucking find the DHD so they I can go back? I was wondering. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the gate. I just kind of assumed that they had dug out the whole thing and stood it up, which, you know, like who? how long would that have taken? I guess they could send <laughs> some equipment. But yeah, the DHD, I was wondering about that. I guess maybe, I mean, they've dialed before without a DHD. So I guess if they brought all the equipment True. they needed... Yeah, they I don't could know. stand it up and send some battery packs through, I guess. But, yeah, I was just like, wow, how fast did this happen? Yeah. I would think it would still take them a while to, I mean, like, they'd only dug one little tunnel for Teal'c, so. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Questions we don't get answers to. Yeah. <laughs> did you like the episode? Um, I think, I mean, I think I mostly liked it, even though I feel like, it was questionable the whole premise of this episode and yes it was sort of it was weird to have lara being so pushy about yes. jack i agree in kind of a almost creepy way when she's like hey time to throw all your shit you know right. for, forget about the past and also it's not my stuff but i'm just gonna throw it away okay yeah and so that was kind of that was weird so there were things that are sort of like eh. but i i actually liked the even though in the end it's not really a choice for Jack, like there was no way he was ever gonna. He he obviously didn't even contemplate staying yeah. once he had an opportunity to leave. But it was nice to see, you know, he could like watch him like settle into this routine and this life while he, I I think secretly patiently waited for rescue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I there were parts of it I enjoyed. I guess that was vague. <laughs> I guess I have uh, mixed feelings about it. Yeah. 
How about you? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it. There were so many like contradictions with like the way that Nakwada is supposed to act as they've established in this universe and like the fact that it didn't act in any of those ways. <laughs> it wasn't some extra volatile metal in here that amplifies explosions like they've talked about it being in the past and because like haven't they even talked about like uh, like they even did ex- experiments where they were blowing stuff up with it oh yeah and it they had like a tiny bit of nakwada in an explosion that like basically destroyed the underground bunker that they were experimenting with it in and here it's not volatile at all and I know that I often say that the science bothers me, but this is one of those episodes where I found the science of it to be extra annoying because there's just so many meteorites falling and the soil should be extra explosive and the gate itself should be extra explosive. And just like it was it was annoying to me how many inconsistencies there were and how how much they were downplaying the severity of what was happening with all these meteorite strikes. And Yeah, I didn't really like the whole storyline with Lara and Jack. Not because, you know, of course, we all ship Jack and Sam. And we forgot to mention Sam actually was clearly troubled at the end of the episode when Jack hugged Lara goodbye and she could tell there was something between them. But that aside, the fact that Lara was so pushy with him to be right to like to settle down and like i want your baby now. Like, yeah, that was (laughs) you guys barely know each other. Come on. (laughs) and cool time for a baby yeah and i'm not saying you know i'm not saying that women can't be the ones that are like the pursuer in a relationship but but yeah like maybe maybe be understanding that he's going through a hard time and you shouldn't be rushing him to throw away his only mementos of home and that kind of stuff is what bothered me more than her pursuing him well i was gonna wait till they're ready but yeah also baby now please yeah So, yeah, I had I, it wasn't all awful, but I was not a big fan of it. Yeah. I would not say that it is broken divide levels of hatred that I have. <laughs> I just didn't like it. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. What's next? Next, we are watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 18, Shades of Grey. The Netflix says, O'Neill becomes annoyed when the Tolans think that any weaponry given to Earth would more likely be used on them than against the gold. I mean... The I think dumb. that seems rational. Yeah. Given the current events of Ugh. now. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by definition, is current events. Yes. It's Sunday. My brain's tired. Yeah, that's fine. Tired brains are... I don't know where I was going with that. It's been a week. Yeah. Yeah, it has. <laughs> the booklet says, On a mission to Talana, O'Neill steals a weapon and takes it back to Earth. Gee, I wonder why the Tolans wouldn't trust them. Right. Wow, that's surprisingly <laughs> shitty. Yeah. When Hammond discovers the deception, he suspends O'Neill. But O'Neill's misconduct is only the beginning of a mystery that could have catastrophic consequences. I'm sure that Jack is court-martialed for that. And... I'm sure he's just drummed right out of the SGC yeah. in the Air Force. Yeah. We never see him again after this episode. It's nope. amazing. All right. Those are two very different descriptions. Looking forward to... Uh... Colonel Samantha Dr. Carter. <laughs> yes. Do they rename the show SG Three Quarters moving forward? <laughs> yes. I didn't think they did, but maybe they do. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The descriptions are very different. Yes. 
Yeah. As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they are released every other Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated since they help other people to find the show, and word of mouth is great for that too. You can also find our show on YouTube if that is your preferred way of consuming podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can send us messages through our website, which is stargatesing.space. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, stargatesing at both of those locations. And if you're feeling generous, you can join us on patreon.com slash stargatesing. We have several different donor levels and you will get early access to episodes as well as a bunch of bonus content. I'm Mary. We are Kathy. <laughs> and you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. Beloved. O'Neill becomes annoyed with the Tolans. Oops. Hold on. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Hold on. I, <laughs> I wrote it down, but then I don't think I wrote it down right. Hold on. Let me uh, let me start that again. Hold on. Let me just go on Netflix here. <laughs> this is the go to Netflix music. I like it. Go to Netflix. Netflix. Netflix of net Netflix Netflix Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. I don't want to add my phone number Netflix. Thank you. You don't want to be called by Netflix. I think it's what a. What would they I call think... you? Beloved. <laughs> <laughs>